Uh, day of recording is January 26, uh, 2024. Tomorrow will mark the third month of the 2023 Israel-Gaza escalation uh, since resistance fighters launched the largest Palestinian counteroffensive against Israel in decades. These last three months have been especially brutal uh, for Gaza and its people. The world has watched as over 20,000 Palestinians in Gaza have been killed. United Nations estimates at least two-thirds of that number are women and children in what can now be only described as the world's most well-documented genocide. For Palestinians living in the West Bank, 2023 has been a record year for Palestinians killed either by Israeli forces or Israeli settlers. That number had hit 483 before the start of the new year. South Africa has brought charges of genocide against Israel in the International Court of Justice. Extremely well-earned charges, I should add. I would argue Israel was guilty of genocide against the Palestinians well before October of this year. But in this episode, we're going to speak about another charge against Israel that has, in my opinion, become irrefutable. Ethnic cleansing. We have reached a point in this latest escalation where anyone looking in from the outside who is not completely divorced from reality can no longer deny that Israel is carrying out a campaign of ethnic cleansing against the people of Gaza. The Zionist pundits who argue for Israel, if still arguing from a place based in reality, can no longer deny that ethnic cleansing is not a fact of whether it is happening, but they now must justify it. As a surface-level understanding, we define ethnic cleansing as the systemic forced removal of ethnic, racial, or religious groups from a given area, with the intent of making a region ethnically homogenous. Now, ethnic cleansing has, now, has, has no legal definition under international law, as it tends to fall under the Genocide Convention. So we will be working with the ethnic cleansing definition uh, that is generic to us. And I charge Israel with ethnic cleansing on the basis of establishing two elements, action and intent. We'll explore evidence that Israeli actions in the Gaza Strip are facilitating the ethnic cleansing of Gaza, and later evidence that Israeli government officials' own testimony, as well as authenticated leaked documents, that Israel's intentions are to forcibly transfer all Palestinians from the Gaza Strip. On October 13th, the Israeli government ordered all Palestinians in the north of Gaza to evacuate south. On December 1st, the Israeli army divided the Gaza Strip into 620 zones. Israel's initial demand was that 1.1 million residents of northern Gaza evacuate to the south within 24 hours. This was condemned by the United States on the grounds... Sorry, not the United States, by the United Nations. On the grounds that, and I quote... It would be impossible without devastating humanitarian consequences. Let's zoom out and consider what an evacuation order of this magnitude means for a place like Gaza, which was prior to the Israeli assault been in a state of perpetual humanitarian crisis. As we have covered previously, Gaza is small and dense. The enclave measures around 365 square kilometers and it's home to 2.2 million Palestinians. It is one of the most densely populated spaces on Earth. The evacuation order pushes residents into an area just one-third the size of Gaza itself, effectively compacting the already dense populated Gaza into an even smaller, even more dense populace. Gaza, before the invasion, had a population 
density of 14,000 people per square kilometer across 365 square kilometers. For reference, uh, New York City has a population density of 11,300 per square kilometer across 778 square kilometers. This evacuation order inflates Gaza's population density in the south to over 18,000 people per square kilometer. Palestinians have only ever been displaced on a scale this large one other time, and that was in the 1948 Nakba, the foundational genocide of Israel that saw, by conservative estimates, 700,000 Palestinians displaced and 15,000 killed. Today, that number is 1.9 million. 83% of Gaza's population has been internally displaced. The UN Special Rapporteur on the Human Rights of Internally Displaced Persons has called Israel's forcible transfer and evacuation a crime under humanitarian law and a violation of international humanitarian law. What is notable and so damning when you consider the question of whether or not this is ethnic cleansing is that Israel has internally displaced the Palestinians to the south of Gaza, toward the border with Egypt. Israel is not, has not allowed Palestinian civilians to flee Gaza into Israel. Instead, considering where the Palestinians have been evacuated into, amassing at the southern border, it's evident that Israel is laying the foundation for the Palestinians to flee into the Egyptian Sinai Peninsula. Taking historical context into account, Israel has never had any intention of cleaning up their own mess, bearing the burden of the massive Palestinian refugee problems that, have, that they have created from time and time again. When Zionist militias initially, initially ethnically cleansed Palestine in the 1948 Nakba, the question of Palestinian refu- refugees was left to what would become Israel's neighbors, uh, Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, and again in 1967 when Israel invaded and occupied the West Bank, Gaza, and the Golan Heights, the Palestinian refugees were not allowed resettlement in Israel, but instead were expelled to Jordan and Egypt, with many fleeing into the Golan Heights and further into Syria. If the history of Israel's war on Palestinians has taught us anything, Israel has never had any intention on bearing the brunt of the refugee crisis that they themselves create. Instead, it perpetuates a racist narrative that all Arabs are like all Arabs and that Palestinians will just seamlessly be absorbed into another Arab country simply because they are Arab. The 1.9 million new Palestinian refugees that Israel has created will not be allowed into Israel, just like in 1948 and 1967. They will be forced into exile as stateless people in neighboring countries. And if history is, con- if history is considered, they will predictably never be allowed to return to their homes, a right that Israel has to this day refused to refugees from the 1948 and 67 displacements. And I know many of you are looking for a a nuanced analysis as to why Palestinians are not allowed to flee into Israel, or even allowed passage into the West Bank, for that matter. But it's really, it's really quite simple. And it's the same as it was in 1948. By virtue alone of being Palestinian, from the day they are born, they represent a demographic threat to the Jewish-Israeli purity of Israel. The ideology of Zionism is fascist, nationalist, and racist, and it is because of that ideology's hegemony over Israel that the Palestinians must flee into lands that are alien to them, rather than lands where they grew up 
or where their great-great-grandparents built communities in what is now called Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. And that is precisely why this is a clear-cut case of ethnic cleansing. Palestinian women and children can escape death and destruction as long as it is not via Israel, because the racial purity of the state demands it. And prior to October 7th, there were 439,000 homes in Gaza. UN UN experts, as well as satellite imagery, uh, has confirmed that 300,000 of these homes have now been destroyed. That's 70% of the homes in Gaza. It is estimated that Hamas, before October 7th, stood at 30,000. Now, I want to appeal to, to your sense of morality here. If you live in a large city, say Toronto, and 30,000 people in Toronto uh, were part of a group that was deemed undesirable uh, to the United States. And the U.S. response was to that was to level 70% of the homes in Toronto. To scale, that would be U.S. warplanes, missiles, and drones raising to the ground 900,000 Toronto homes. What would you do? I don't know. You know, I know that my outrage that I would feel would be insurmountable. My point is that Gaza has gone from a place in perpetual poverty to a place that is functionally uninhabitable. Gaza will never be the same. 2.2 million impoverished people, half under the age of 18, living in what has become a 365-square-kilometer enclave of rubble and tents. There's There's no coming back from that. And that is what Israel wants. For so long, the right of return has been a thorn in the side of the Israeli state. Uh, The world is in a consensus that Palestinian civilians, who have nothing to do with Hamas, should be allowed to return to their homes. Well, now Israel is atoning for their past mistakes by making sure that there are no homes to return to. They are taking the question completely off the table. It is sick, it's disgusting, and I'm outraged, and you should be as well. As a side note, this this is something that is radicalizing. People like to claim that Hamas is brainwashing young Palestinians to hate Israel, but I would argue that this is what is making Palestinians hate Israel. And that hate is valid. When you push a people to this level of desperation, you can't blame them for how they fight back. If my family was killed by Israel, if all of my childhood friends were either dead or amputees, and if the house that I grew up in and my family inside of it were annihilated to rubble, by remote weaponry from the sky, it would become so fucking simple, so fucking fast. At that point, you don't care if this group is authoritarian or oppressive or fundamentally Islamic. It boils down to one question. Are you going to fight our oppressors? I see newly orphaned children screaming, covered in dust and blood. And in 20 years, we will be asked to condemn those same children, and I refuse to do that. Now that we have established that these actions are ethnic cleansing, or at least the result of what Israel is doing to Gaza is, will result in ethnic cleansing, that Gaza will have no more Palestinians, we can establish intent. So Egypt uh, has refused to accept Palestinian refugees as they continue to amass at the Gaza-Egypt border. And Egypt is actually one of the few countries in the region that has normalized relations with apartheid Israel. Since the 1978 Camp David Accords, relations between Israel and Egypt are steadily improving, uh, with Egypt using its border with Gaza uh, to enable Israel's illegal blockade that has been in place since 2007. 
And why would they accept Palestinian refugees? Like, why would they help Israel ethnically cleanse Gaza? It is an international crime to displace people, to displace the Palestinians to Sinai or to any other land. That was Yassin Ashur, an Egyptian political consultant on Middle East and Arab affairs. And he said that throughout the 20th century, or I'm saying this now, sorry, no longer quote, throughout the 20th century, uh, they bore the brunt of the Palestinian refugee crisis. And understandably, they're tired of Israel making its neighbors pay for its own violent actions. But Egypt is under mounting pressure from Israel and the United States to accept Palestinian refugees from Gaza. Reportedly, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu has been lobbying the United States to increase pressure on Egypt to resettle the Palestinians displaced from Gaza. Right now, Egypt is only letting in foreign passport holders Uh, And despite the threats of economic pressure from the U.S. and other Western countries, uh, Egypt remains steadfast in their stance on this issue. Uh, This is what Ashur had to say. The logic is wrong in the West. It is Israel that is killing thousands of Palestinians in Gaza. The solution is not in Cairo. It is in Tel Aviv. The Israeli right-wing government stops the killing. Palestinians should have a say. They should have the basic human right which is to live in their home safely, end quote. And this is so symbolic of how Israel has never been held accountable for anything. Israel is like, it's like a spoiled child uh, that has never had a time out. When Egypt doesn't want to clean up Israel's mess, they go and they cry to the big bad United States to put pressure on Egypt into doing exactly that. This signals that there's no intention on Israel's part to allow Palestinians to live in Gaza. This proposed plan is not an interim solution until Gaza is rebuilt for the Palestinians to move back in. It is called resettlement. That means they are banished to the Sinai Desert indefinitely as stateless people. And that brings us to another signal of intent. Uh, The Times of Israel has broken the news that Netanyahu and his government have held secret meetings with foreign heads of state to permanently resettle Palestinians in other countries, uh, one in particular being the Congo. Congo will be, a willing, will be willing to take in migrants, and we're in talks with others, a senior source in the security cabinet said. Which begs the question as to why it is up to other countries, uh, like the Congo, who are going through their own crises right now. The 52% of the Congolese population, according to the World Food Programme, is below the poverty line. So why is it up to these already struggling countries to clean up the mess that Israel has created themselves? And Israel is selling this idea that it is a choice of uh, of Palestinian people. They are calling it voluntary resettlement, as if they have a choice. You know, because Israel left them with two choices. Live in the miles of rubble that is now Gaza, intense, or live thousands of miles away from your ancestral homeland in an alien country. You and I would not call this voluntary. Of course, this plan has received heavy backing from Israel's far right, uh, particularly Aitamar Ben-Gavir's Otsmayudit party. He said the Gaza, sorry, this is not him, uh, Gamil, Israeli intelligence minister, said, the Gaza problem is not just our problem. The world should support humanitarian emigration because that's the only solution I know. And this is where we need to kind of like see through the bullshit. This is where they like to attach these flowery words uh, to their calls for ethnic cleansing. 
like humanitarian and voluntary. But make no mistake, this is a forced population transfer facilitated by militaristic violence. On New Year's Day last year, uh, Israeli Finance Minister Bezalel Smoltrich said that Palestinian residents of Gaza to leave the besieged enclave, making way for Israelis who could make the desert bloom. Another quote from him said, if there are 100,000 or 200,000 Arabs in Gaza and not 2 million Arabs, the entire discussion on the day after will be totally different. This is like, that's an explicit call for ethnic cleansing. And Smoltrich is not a fringe figure. He is the finance minister of Israel. He is in Netanyahu's cabinet. The calls to ethnically cleanse Gaza are not coming from these far-right fringe figures in Israel. They are coming from the highest levels of Israeli government itself. Paired with the international negotiations to permanently resettle Palestinians, this creates a pretty objective conclusion. The intent of the Israeli government is clear, and you would have to be delusional to argue that this is not a case of ethnic cleansing. Now, who comes in afterward? The ethnic replacement, uh, whether proposed or material, uh, is largely irrelevant to establishing the guilt of ethnic cleansing. The displacement and forced transfer of Palestinians from Gaza is enough to charge this administration with ethnic cleansing. However, proposals from within Israel do bolster the body of evidence pointing toward ethnic cleansing. On uh, December 19th, there was an Israeli real estate firm, and they released a video proposing settlements in Gaza. Hari Zahav is, in a, is it's a leading Israeli real estate firm that has it's been key to construction of settlements in the West Bank, a, a crime under international law. And the video it released shows blueprints for an Israeli neighborhood superimposed over the rubble of Gaza. In the advertisements, the company proposed houses on Gaza's coastal strip and used the slogan, Wake up, a beach house is not a dream. Along with the company, they released this following statement, We, Harvey Zahav, are working to prepare the ground for the return to Gush Katif. Our employees are working on the rehabilitation of the region, cleaning up waste, and deporting the occupiers, Palestinians. We hope that in the near future, the kidnapped and our soldiers will somehow return to their homes and we can start, dis we can start construction in the entire Gush Katif area of the Gaza Strip. For those of you who don't know, uh, Gush Katif was a block of illegal Israeli settlements uh, that existed in the West Bank from 1968 until the 2005 withdrawal. Uh, which saw the Israeli army remove 9,000 uh, is illegal Israeli settlers from Gaza. And then uh, the then empty homes of Gush Katif were demolished after the withdrawal to prevent the Palestinians from using them. Just think about how depraved that is. To propose a settlement construction plan over top of the rubble of someone's house. You know, someone who is either now dead or living homeless a couple of miles away. It's, it's gross. The company has, it has deep ties with the Israeli army, and it shared photos of Israeli soldiers uh, planting Israeli flags along the Gaza shoreline. In one announcement, the company released pre-sale prices for the proposed settlements. And this has not been met with condemnation 
from either within Israel itself or the international community, which has remained mostly silent on the matter. But it does go to show that the Israeli commercial sector and the government are kind of, they're unified in their intention to permanently expel the Palestinians from Gaza and to replace them with an Israeli settler population. To end this uh, prosecution, I'm renewing my call to boycott those complicit in our own countries and to continue to speak up about this. The evidence that Israel is committing a campaign of ethnic cleansing against Gaza is overwhelming and it's irrefutable. I will not stand for it. I will not be silent and neither should you. Thank you for listening. Free Palestine. Have a good day.